basically the idea is that you want to pitch this really big vision of how you want the world to change because of your business idea and why it will change the way that people exist. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. On this week's episode of the Marketing Expedition Podcast, I get to speak with Chelsea Roney, and she brings her business building and strategy experience to Proxy, where she also serves as the COO and leads a team of five, growing the business through sales and marketing. After graduating from Texas A&M, Chelsea joined Boeing, where she worked in financial planning and analysis in Microsoft, where she worked in a demand center that focused on B2B omnichannel marketing. She grew and sold two businesses, a SaaS business in the university space and a local services business. Chelsea is also an active member in her community, a dedicated parent, and passionate supporter of women in business. But before we get to Chelsea's interview, and trust me, you're going to want to stick around for this, it's actually going to be a two-part series. We're going to bring her back on the show, do some updates later on to see where she's at with what she's, go- what she's got going on. But it's now time for our Marketing Essentials Moment, the basics that you need to help you build your brand and your bottom line. We've been talking a lot about email deliverability and spam messaging and all the things that we need to do to continue to enhance our email marketing that we're all doing. Or if we're not, maybe we could if we follow the guidelines and the ways to go about doing it because email is still not dead. Even though I'm guilty, I'm inundated with emails all the time. But there are certain emails that do stand out, the ones that I do wanna look at, the ones that I wanna read and continue to get in my inbox. And I'm sure others have some of those ones that they really want to continue to get. And as marketers, we do all that we can to infiltrate and disrupt people's you know, thought process and being able to get in front of them. And we can write these beautifully well-written emails with wonderful copy and having the right subject line, not bounce and get sent to spam and all the things, right? There's so many things that we can continue to do. And a couple weeks ago, I had a email doctor, <laughs> email paramedic on the show. So go back and and look at that and you get even more tips and things. But I just wanted to keep digging a little bit more into what really makes emails work and why and what can we do to continue to get that ROI on our marketing investments. And by the way, that podcast you want to go back and listen to is with Troy Erickson. It's episode 156, Revealing Email Deliverability Secrets with Troy. And uh, we dig into that a lot with him. But I'm just going to keep on digging until we can get this dialed in for all of our listeners and for us too, as we have an email list that we send out monthly. And I just want to get more people seeing it, the right people seeing it. And so I'm on this journey with you just as much as you get to be on with me. So thinking about how we can avoid sending spam messages and continue to increase our email deliverability. There's a list of things that you should and shouldn't do. HubSpot's a great tool that you can go and get information on. So I thought I would share that uh, and of course give credit where credit is due. But here are some ways that you can stop sending spam mail and get those emails through to the right people that you want to do. So some things to consider when you are building your email list, right? Things not to do is don't email people who have bounced repeatedly because it's going to send a red flag and your internet service provider is going to determine that email sender's reputation is having too many hard bounces and it can cause you to stop allowing your emails to get into everybody's inboxes, right? Because email deliverability is important and if you continue to have hard bounces, that's not a good thing. And in a couple of other things, don't use all caps in your email subject line or anywhere in your email for that matter, because it will be like you're yelling at people. And we know that we don't want to yell at people, right? We can be excited, but we don't want to use too many exclamation points. I'm guilty of this sometimes too. Um, But that can also make your email look unprofessional and spammy if you have more than just one exclamation point. So um, especially if you have a whole bunch of them in a row and it's reported that emails that they will put them in the spam 
based on what your subject line is. And if it's going to trigger it, you could only need to use one exclamation point. Also, things like videos embedded right in your email or Flash or JavaScript, that's also going to be a red flag that's going to send your message to a spam filter as well. People don't want to click on things. They don't want attachments like that. And videos can be really large. So what we do is maybe have an image of a video that has a little play button and that people can click on and it actually opens up a landing page. And it's a nice way to track it as well so that you can then have a form on that landing page or have some some sort of call to action on that landing page. But don't, of course, embed those forms inside the email either. Uh, that's a no-no. And then when you have attachments in your emails, sometimes people don't want to open them. They might think it's spam or phishing emails. So again, you don't want to have attachments on the email. You can have a link to click to that landing page with that PDF that you want people to download or sign up to download if you want to do that. You can have a link to it. You can have a Google Doc. Just think about not having that attachment directly in the email. And of course, there's always spam trigger words to make sure that you're not using, right? There's a whole list of a whole bunch of common spam trigger words not to use. And so instead, be creative and informative without giving away too much because we want people to click on your email and be able to open it. And, and see what's inside. And so just thinking about how you can just do a Google search. What are the spam trigger words not to use? And I could list off a whole bunch of them, but I'll give you a little homework to do. And that way you don't cause any red flags and you don't draft your subject lines with trigger words that are just going to send your messages right to the spam filter. And of course, <laughs> don't forget to use spell check and proof your messages, right? Sometimes spelling, misspellings can be offensive or they could, you know, send the wrong signal or the wrong message if you're using the wrong type of word or if it's a, you know, a word that's similar and spelled differently, right? So making sure that you are professional and have proofing done. I always say two sets of eyes on everything before it goes out the door, especially in an expedited situation because that is when most errors occur. And in this case, before it gets launched and sent, right? Two sets of eyes before everything, before it goes out the door. Not necessarily your own set of eyes, by the way. Two sets of eyes on everything before it goes out the door. And especially in an expedited situation, because that is when most errors occur. If I get quoted on that, on my gravestone, that's what it will always be. Proof your work. <laughs> and another thing, don't jam pack your email with so many keywords, keyword stuffing. Uh, your emails mean shoving as many keywords in your emails as you can. And there's a reason that Google will give a lower rank to web pages that are stuffed with keywords. And that's also same as true with emails. People won't open your emails because they will be marked as spam or look like spam. And, you know, write your emails for humans, not robots, right? Making sure that your copywriting is relatable and what people want to see and what they want to resonate with and, and the stories that you're telling, but make it simple and compelling and short and sweet, right? Not big old long message because sometimes people just don't have to write the time to read it and then you've just wasted all of that. Maybe you can do a series of emails instead of big long emails. And then of course, make your writing sound personable and have casual language expressions and personal antidotes or stories that you can tell that people will relate to. And I think if you can think about how other people want to receive that email, then you're going to be all the better off for it and what they want to get out of it just as much as what you want them to get out of it. So don't overwhelm so many images and huge images. They don't want to download very easily. The email might take too long to download or to, to be able to open because you've got too many big emails. And sometimes you'll also get put into the spam filter or junked because it won't recognize and understand what you're trying to give them. So just keep about you know, some clean, nice, concise images if you do use them. And then other things to, to keep your list clean and having email hygiene, right? <laughs> Making sure that you don't have bounced messages or bounced people. Make sure your complaint rates are low and that you have active subscribers, um, not necessarily the total number of subscribers, but it's the quality, right? It's quality over quantity. 
making sure the people that you're sending your messages to are the ones that want to receive it (laughs) and don't have expired email addresses that can turn into more spam traps and having those legitimate emails. And then of course, abandoned addresses, get rid of those. And that way you're not hitting just more spam traps that can have deliverability problems over time because then it's going to kick back and say, oh, you've been sending too many hard bounces like we talked about. And then if you can do something to re-engage inactive or infrequently active subscribers. It's called gray mail. This refers to email where people technically opted in to receive it, but don't really want, or they're maybe just not active on it, or maybe they've filtered you out into a different folder, but maybe there's some things that you can do to increase their engagement, having some sort of call to action to them, having them opt in again. Do you still want to receive this message from us? You know, use those double opt-ins. And that means that that way, when they subscribe to your list, they that you send them a, a follow-up email to confirm that they really want to receive that email. Sometimes people will sign up for something and then, you know, get the discount, do the deal, and then be done with it and then not want to have it anymore. And those people are damaging to your list because then they become dormant and not active and your open rate declines because now they're done with you. <laughs> and so get rid of them, you know, don't don't hold on to them. And we're guilty of this too. We need to clean up our lists on an ongoing basis and continue to do that regularly and continue to get rid of the ones that are inactive, right? And of course, the other thing you can do too is ask your subscribers to add you to their address book. And that way, you know, the, the spam filters won't kick you into their their spam. So it's essentially you're whitelisting or being whitelisted as opposed to blacklisted, right? And then if you can have a clear unsubscribe link and a physical mailing address in your email footer, that will increase the trustability of your email. It'll help with your hygiene of your email list. And we want our recipients to easily be able to unsubscribe. And of course, to not have an unsubscribe button is actually illegal. So you need to have an unsubscribe button in your emails that you send out from your list. So that way you're not doing anything illegal. (laughs) And of course, looking at the footer, using that as a tool to, you know, we, we, what we do is we have a link where people can manage their um, emails that they receive from us. And so they um, can choose if they want to just only get emails from us when we want to invite them to an event or if they would like our monthly newsletter or if they just want to know about our podcast or something of that nature, they can choose what they would like to receive and how often they would like to receive it. And then of course they can also unsubscribe from our list if they don't want it anymore. We don't want them there anyway if they don't want to be there, right? So, and of course honor those unsubscribes and remove them from your mailing list as much as you can make sure that you're you're maintaining that and keeping that with the the good hygiene, right? We want to make sure that, you know, a good software, email software will help you manage your unsubscribed addresses and they'll remove your unsubscribed people list automatically if you have it set up to do that and making sure that that's something that is consistently working the way it should. Also, some things you can do is to use a familiar sender name. All of our messages come from me. People know my name. They know who I am mostly. If not, then, you know, somewhere along the lines we've connected and they've subscribed to our list in one way or another and, you know, had the opt-in to be able to do that. But if you use a name that's familiar, then it's more likely to be trusted and to be opened, right? And another thing to build that trust is that you can include your recipient's name in the to field. So that way when you're sending to somebody, they have their name and it's personalized and it's sent to them and they can see that it's to them with their name. Make sure you have the correct spelling of their name, by the way. And of course, offer those recipients a way to have both an HTML and a plain text version of your email. And this is true because sometimes a lot of filters will only uh, only display text and not have images or anything. They'll strip the images. And so it's also important to have alt text in your email images to say what it is, because if they don't see the images and they'll at least see description of what that image was going to be, had they not blocked those images by default. And so thinking about how you can add that alt text to your images can help 
the recipients understand what your message is because just assume that maybe people won't be able to see the the images if they have slow internet or if they're on a mobile device sometimes the images are stripped just be able to have the images there to support what you're saying not necessarily rely 100% on what you're saying and if you do need to say something that's in the image or if it's text that's in the image just have that alt text there so that people can actually understand what you're trying to tell them in your message so that's another thing some ideas of things that you can do in sending the types of emails that you can send. We know that we want to send short and sweet emails. Too much copy is is a lot. Or you can do a series or you can have call to actions or maybe some value that you're adding to them because people want to be, you know, have value added, not just to be sold to all the time, right? People will buy from those that they know, like, and trust. And they start with why. Why why should they buy from you? Not how or what, but why. Why are you doing what you're doing? What can you do in your message to them? as to what you can help them solve or what you can help them do, but just don't make it so salesy that they're going to just unsubscribe because no one wants that. And so test your emails before you send them as well. And that might be a way to indicate whether it's too salesy or not. Maybe just do a small sampling of that uh, message that you'd like to send out. And that way you can test to see, maybe do some A-B testing, have a different subject line, uh, maybe have some different images or different messages, different call to action, and then see which one rises to the top, right? And, And then you can even do another iteration and test it again and see which one rises to the top before you send it out to all of your people who are subscribed on your list. And of course you can tailor your messaging to the types of people that you're sending it to. If you can segment your list out with using tags or some way that your software might be able to, or your platform that you're using might be able to send the the particular messages to the particular people who are interested in particular things that you want them to be interested in. And of course, the different types of platforms like Apple iPhone mail is going to display things differently than Gmail, than what an Apple iPad mail app might display versus an Android map or Outlook, whatever it is that you're using, make sure that it's responsive to the type of platform that people are opening. So if it's mobile versus desktop, right? Or if it's a if it's Android versus Apple, you know, what is it that your message is going to be displayed? So you can also test that out and preview in all of the different inboxes so that you can use that to a tool. There's some tools online that you can use to see how it'll display in the different formats that are out there. And of course, get an email sender accreditation from a third party. Uh, So sender accreditation is a third party process of verifying email senders and then requiring them to follow certain usage guidelines. So in return, you'll be listed in a trusted listing that internet service providers reference to allow certain emails to bypass email filters. So having an accredited sender, being an email sender accreditation from a third party can also help you with deliverability and getting people's emails or getting your emails into people's inboxes. And then of course, monitor the reputation of your sender's IP address. Your email's deliverability also depends on your IP address's reputation. If you're sending emails from an IP address with a poor reputation, then your emails are far less likely to be successfully delivered to the sender's inboxes. So there's things that you can do that will let you check on whether or not your IP address is a blacklisted sender, something that many unlucky email marketers may not even be aware of. So there's a website called dnsstuff.com dnsstuff.com that will let you check whether or not your IP is blacklisted. And then of course, stay on top of date changes in what is happening. Make sure that your copyrights are up to date uh, if you have a copyright in the bottom of your email. And also think about what's happening with email laws and stay up to date on all of those changes. Stay up to date on new spam filter technology, what's happening with email marketing. And of course, all of the privacy that people want and deserve. As a marketer, there's things that we need to do to be responsible and make sure that we're legitimate email markers 
uh, marketers and clean up our lists. And it's always a work in progress that we are also going through on an ongoing basis. So think about how we can do the things that we're doing just as much as you can too. There's also some tools that you can use, email, email deliverability test tools. That way you can use some analytics to see what's testing and how it's working and what uh, tests the deliverability um, before you send your, your message out to your entire mailing list. So mail-tester.com is a tool. Uh, mailtrap.io is a tool you can use. Uh, spam check is another tool that you can use as well to help you check your score on your email. So lots of good things here, lots of good information. If you want more, we're going to dig into some more of this as we go through our journey and making sure that our email list is getting to the right people, to the right, you know, people who are interested, who want to receive what we have. And by the way, if you want to subscribe to our email list, you can visit Peppershock.com and subscribe to the Peppershock mailing list. Uh, Peppershock's our ad agency that does this for a living for our clients. Uh, and also the marketingexpedition.com where this podcast is hosted and uh, we have a community building uh, that is powered by Peppershock. So the marketingexpedition.com powered by Peppershock Media. All right, that's all for now, but let's get into this fabulous interview with Chelsea and Proxy. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I am the president and CEO of Peppershock Media and the founder of the Marketing Expedition community in this podcast. And today's guest, we have Chelsea Roney. Welcome to the show, Chelsea. Oh, thank you, Ray. Glad to be here. So Chelsea, I always love to give a bit more of a background than what the bio is. I want to hear kind of where you came from, what you're doing, where you where you got to where you are now, and then of course share with us what what's going on in, in your world today. So so let's back up and then start from not from the very beginning, but just share a little bit with our audience about you, Chelsea. Sure, sure. So I am currently the COO and co-founder of a company called Proxy. Uh, just a brief bit about proxy is that we are technology where any individual business can come to our site and uh, create a customizable map. It's like the Canva for maps. We're getting uh, great local content out on the internet. I concentrate a lot uh, on everything growth and marketing for proxy. as well as being the COO, uh, marketing is really what I love. Uh, prior to Proxy, I built and sold two small businesses, the first of which was Bootstrapped, and it was a SaaS company in the university space. And we ended up working with more than half of the university organizations in, um, that existed in this space uh, before we ended up selling to a private equity firm. Oh, that's and, exciting. Wow. Yes, it was <laughs> Yeah, we we had a great time building it. Uh, I was a team of five. I led everything that was in engineering. And then I used some of those proceeds to buy a local services business in the city of Seattle and grew that about 10 times to what it was in a couple of years before I sold it to work on Proxy. And uh, that was debt backed. So that was uh, by an SBA loan and, you know, all three of these experiences have been super different uh, and really fun. Um, and I like to tell people that, you know, whether it's a SaaS business like technology or, you know, services business, uh, a lot of business principles are the same no matter what you're doing. Um, and a lot of principles and operational, you know, excellence is is similar across the board. Um, so I think, you know, once you dive in once, you can just keep going. Yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. I I have to say, our audience doesn't see this, but I mean, don't take this the wrong way, but you've accomplished a lot in a short period of time because you, I mean, you can't be over, I don't know, I'm not going to say your age, but I mean, wow, right? (laughs) That's so funny. It's all good. I, you know, it's actually, I've been out of school for about 12 years and you know, I actually spent some time at Microsoft and Boeing in there too. Uh, my SaaS company was only part-time. Amazingly enough, a lot of those, you know, operational things were very streamlined and I'm really proud of that um, and proud of how big we were able to grow up part-time. So 
have had some really good corporate experiences too. That's great. Well, one thing I always try to encourage younger people to do is like if you get a business going and you, you know, have that work experience and and I, I love it when people can share their story because it inspires other young people to do the same. I mean, when I started our business with my husband, I was in my early 20s. And, you know, it's like, if I can do it, you can do it too. (laughs) That's exactly right. And a lot of times, I think you'll probably agree, you know, you just have to stick with it. Even if there's a problem or whatever, you know, got to work through it. And um, a lot of times, if you have that grit, the business will end up succeeding if you experiment enough. Right. And, and be able to be able to take those risks and, you know, not necessarily be afraid. Well, you'll have a fear, but, you know, if you can overcome that and take those risks and do the things that you need to do and problem solve and have all the critical thinking skills that you need to be able to, to work through those problems that come up. Because everything, any, any business, any work that you do, there's always going to be problems or challenges to overcome and opportunities to seek out to make it better, right? So, okay, tell me more about Proxy then. You called it the kind of like the Google business for maps. And and so share a little bit more what that means exactly and how would people apply this application to to their websites? What what is it that you do? What okay. problems do you solve? Yes, yeah. Okay, so so basically we help businesses um come to, you know, portray local information and content in a really engaging way online. So let's say, you know, it's a media company and they're sharing 10 best things to do this weekend or, um, you know, in a certain city or they're sharing best coffee shops or if a travel company has an itinerary that they're building out for their clients. All of this information is usually text-based. But the problem with text-based local information is that people really need to see it uh, and visualize their proximity to it and the proximity to other things in order to really make good decisions about where they're going and what they're doing. And so by allowing people to create these really compelling visual visualizations and maps of information that they are curators of, uh, we allow them to unlock this understanding for their audience, if that makes sense. Okay. So, you know, people can come to the site, they can make a map in just a couple of minutes, brand it, customize it, and publish it however they want to and share it however they wish. So you can put it on, you can embed it on a website, you can put it link in bio, send it as a link in an email to your newsletter list. However you want to share information is how we can, you know, come along for the ride with you. Um, And people make maps about all kinds of things. I always think of like a treasure hunt, like you could make a treasure hunt, you know? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, um, a a nonprofit um, in the Seattle area actually did do a scavenger hunt. And that's, you know, it was a really fun thing. And we're actually going to come out with a feature oh. um, called Passport, we think. Okay. And uh, it will allow people to kind of check off where they've been and prove it to the map creator. Mm-hmm. And that way, you know, a scavenger hunt or something yeah. like that. Can actually- well, you heard it here, everyone. It's going to come out in a new feature. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. I could absolutely see how this application could help businesses or, you know, event promoters, right? If they, if they're putting on an event, then they can, you know, share local restaurants that want to be on the map. Maybe they pay a little fee to be a part of the whole experience. I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking about how you can yeah. use this and yeah yeah chamber of commerce has come on board and map out events um local destination marketing organizations come on board and map out like a particular district in a city if they're hosting like a walk you know like a walk along a certain street um and you can highlight special features you can add date and time to the map so they're great for events you can draw on the maps you know it's super flexible and then you can even get data on the maps and who doesn't love data. And right. especially as marketers, 
you know, that's what we're all about is like understanding the data of how people are becoming aware of something and then how people are considering something and then how people convert on something. And so that's also proxy gives you all of that information um, based on map clicks and things like this. So you can understand how the audience is actually interacting with the data. Oh my gosh. And you mentioned Chamber of Commerce. So one of our clients is a, is a Chamber of Commerce. And uh, I just had this thought of how it's it's kind of a mountain town, right? So can you even map out areas like in mountain terrain too? Or is it more just where cell phone service is? Oh, no, you can do that as well. Um, we are working on like a downloadable yeah you know feature um but the neat thing about proxy is that you can mark a location by either an address or by a lot long so all you have to do is double click in a place if somewhere doesn't have an address like a trailhead a parking lot Uh you know some a mountainous adventure I'm not really sure like you know where a lake is and I don't really know um but yeah you can double click on all of that and add points in that way too that's really cool because they do like a snowmobile snowmobile fun run and you know it's like a raffle run and and do all kinds of fun things i could see how this could be tied into something like that and get sponsors to you know have stops that they have to go to and and then they could be on the map if they help sponsor the event or something that's really that's a really unique idea how did how did this come about where did this you know how did you dream this up Okay, well, it was back in October 2020, and we'll all remember that that was the first COVID Halloween, and right. so my co-founder is a parent, and I am too, but she was, um, you know, in her local neighborhood Facebook group in the city of Seattle, and someone was talking about, like, hey, everyone add your addresses to this list if you're doing distance candy delivery, like leaving it out on your doorstep yeah. or whatever. Um, And so all of these homes had added themselves to the comment section. But as um, like a viewer, like that doesn't make sense, right? Like as a parent, what are you going to do? Like, like type in the first address and then type in the second, but then the third is closer to the first than the second was, you know, like that just doesn't make sense. And my co-founder happens to have designed um, GIS tools for one of the U.S. intelligence agencies. And so when she saw this list of addresses, she was just like, you know, this isn't how data like this should be consumed. And so she ended up pulling together several tools that made it such that someone could add their home to a map and it ends up going viral. Now we're, we've been friends for about a decade. And so, and she knows i you know, my passion is building businesses. Yeah. And so she called me up and she was like, Chelsea, I think there's something here. Um, you know, this is going viral. People want to add their homes to this map, but like I had to string together this technology. It doesn't exist. Wow. And so we ended up doing like a market analysis and crowdsource maps on the internet for free wasn't yeah. a thing. And so now using proxy, anyone can come to our site, create a collaborative map and also publish it as well so that anyone can add to it. You can approve or deny the points if you wish. But anyway, that's how it came to be. And then businesses start coming to our site um, as well as individuals. But all of these businesses start telling us, oh, we want this feature. We want to brand it. We need data, you know, all, you know, just tons of things. And so we end up adding features. And before you know it, we're in a tech accelerator program and we're raising money and we're hiring people. And that's where we are today. We are growing so, so fast and we've had a wild ride, um, but it's been really fun to build something that people, you know, really resonates with people trying to get out local information. Well, let me tell you as a business that started in October, we always celebrate our anniversary, our work anniversary, workversary in October, and Halloween is so fun. And this is yes. the ultimate trick-or-treat experience. That's amazing. I love this story. So so now you're growing and going and, and you're adding more features and there's just like the sky's the limit. That's very cool. Eventually, yeah. we hope to compete with companies like Yelp and Google Maps for how people make decisions on where to go and what to do because that process is like fundamentally broken because those platforms when you search like restaurant near me 
first of all, it's ad driven. And so the best places may not necessarily rise to the top. right? Right. And then secondly, it's review driven. And so you know, your review or you may not be as credible as the next guy. And so how are you to suss through these reviews, you know, where to go and what to do should have a creator focus. So like I should trust, you know, some local authority in Seattle, like visit Seattle or, you know, any other organization like that on where to go and what to do uh, over like something that's review based. And so by putting all of these together and making it so that you can sort through these maps based on creators, I think we'll have a really powerful way for people to explore the world. That's the creative economy. That's what we're all about now is the being able to be the content creator and, and being the economy because we are the content creators. I love it. I love it. Now it's time for a message from one of our partners, KitCaster. Did you know that podcasts are a great way to grow your personal and business brand? And KitCaster is a podcast booking agency that specializes in developing real human connections through podcast appearances. We've had several guests from KitCaster on the Marketing Expedition podcast as well. So if you're an expert in your field, have a unique story to share, or an interesting point of view, it's time to explore the world of podcasting with KitCaster. You can expect a completely customized concierge service from their staff of communication experts. KitCaster is your secret weapon in podcasting for business. Your audience is waiting to hear from you. Go to kitcaster.com expedition to apply for a special offer for friends of this podcast. Okay, so wait now, because sometimes, like you said, you put in an address and then you have to put in another one and you put in another one. But can you get directions to each of the stops along the way? Yeah, we have a button where every map point you can click get directions and then it will take you um, to that spot using Google Maps. Yep. Oh, cool. Okay, so you can put multiple directions in and not have to like try to redo and navigate the whole time. And now is it does it work with like your smart car, you know, your smartphone or your, you know, how like you have an app on your your smartphone in your car? like navigation kind of thing. Does it work with that too? Yeah. So if you plugged in your phone while you were using proxy, you can just click on your next destination on the map and then click get directions and it will bring up Google maps in your, yeah. That's way cool. That's, that's phenomenal. And you know, really this has been kind of a short time period since, you know, October of 2022 and we're recording this now, November, uh, you know, 29th of, of, of 2022. Two, and so two years, you've been able to accomplish all of these wonderful things. And you have a team of people who are helping create all of these things now. And and you mentioned the tech accelerator. Tell me a little bit more about what that process was like to become a part of the tech accelerator. Yeah. So we applied to uh, Techstar Seattle um, back in the fall of 2021. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we, and, <laughs> and you have to go through a whole process, like an application and interviews and things like this. And we end up making it through and we are accepted. And then we entered the program and it's, I believe it's 12 weeks long. And the program consists of workshops on how to build and grow a venture sized business. Um, uh, mentoring. So that's a huge component of the program is being connected with local business leaders who have been there and done that and can help you get through the challenges that you face. And then also connections and an understanding of how venture funding works. So, um, you know, how to build a pitch deck, how to raise money, how to, how to run those meetings, um, how to navigate the space, uh, how to get intros. So, you know, having a debt backed an event in a bootstrap business before, I just wasn't aware of any of this. And so it was a fantastic crash course into this world. And, um, and, you know, after that program, we ended up raising $1.2 million as part of a pre-seed round uh, back in February. And that's when we were able to hire a couple folks. Um, And then, so, okay, let's, Let's back up just a little bit because sometimes people don't always understand what it means to raise seed money and what it means to get 
and pitch in front of investors or angel investors or venture capitalists? Like, explain that process just a little bit, because I think this is, is this is this could be really helpful for people who might be ready to go down this path. Let's share a little more about that. I love this. <laughs> sure. That's great. So, okay. So if you feel like you have a billion dollar business idea, which, you know, feels right. like a really bold thing to say, but if you feel like you do have that size of an idea, then you might be eligible to earn, I guess, venture funding. So what happens is that you put together a business plan. They call it a slide deck. And you can find so many great examples online. Uh, you can just search like, like, you know, world-renowned pitch decks or whatever. And a bunch will come up from companies you even know and love. Yeah. Um, you can see how they started out. And then you kind you model your pitch deck after after some of these, and there are some components that you need to include, and you can find a list of those components online. It's not anything secret. Um, but basically, the idea is that you want to pitch this really big vision of how you want the world to change because of your business idea and why it will change the way that people exist. You put together the storyline as part of the pitch, you put together the revenue model, the total addressable market size, and then you try to weave together this compelling story of why you need millions of dollars to grow your company. Right. And so it takes a lot of work and a lot of refinement and hundreds of hours, but mm -hmm. once you make it through to the other side, then you will want to find venture capital capitalists that align with your thesis. So first, you're going to want to scour the internet for um, venture capitalists who deal with whatever stage that you're at as a company. Right. Or qualified investors or financers or yeah you can you can have some angels in there and angels would come in during your pre-seed round so those would be that's your first round of money that you raise mm -hmm. and then you do pre-seed or you can do like a family and friends mm -hmm. round and then you can do pre-seed seed series a series b c d etc like all those people that we went trick-or-treating to on the map, right? They could be <laughs> friends and family, right? <laughs> they could be, exactly. So that's right. Um, you know, they would need to be an accredited investor. And there are some, you know, some qualifications you have to meet uh, with your personal finances for that. But yeah, you can, there are networks of those folks and you can approach them in your city and you can do the same pitching to them. But those you know, when you raise like with angels or accredited investors, oftentimes you're raising in the hundreds of thousands just to get off the ground. And then you kind of progress like as your business progresses and as you're meeting certain milestones. Um, as an aside, a lot of times those milestones are self-identified because if you're building a billion dollar business, then like you're creating the market, so to speak. So a lot of times no one knows what metrics would be good. So you have to determine them, prove to people why those are good metrics, prove why you're meeting those metrics. And how they'll get a return on their investment if they invest in your company, right? I mean, how are they going to get paid back? And when are you going to pay me back? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And it's the whole mess. Um, but yeah, and then and then you find someone who aligns with your thesis. So someone might say, so first you want to make sure they're aligned with what part of the process you're in, like pre-seed, seed, et cetera, making sure that they're actively making investments right now because there are hundreds of websites out there that say that they're venture capitalists, but they're right. not actually investing. Right. Um, and then uh, wanting to make sure that their thesis aligns. So like if you're a consumer product or a B2B company, um, and then they have different verticals within those for the industries that they want to invest in. So making sure that you're aligned with them and then reaching out and sending a really thoughtful message about like what partner at that firm would want to hear about your product and why. And it just takes one. I mean, it really just took one person to start the ball rolling, right? Yes. I mean, that moment of somebody saying yes. I mean, I can right. envision on Shark Tank how they, you know, say, I mean, that's a little dramatized, but. <laughs> yeah, it just takes one person to say, yes, you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, it's a numbers game. A lot of times they say you have to pitch like 70 to, you oh know, 100 or more times. How many, how many times do you think you did? 
How many times do you guys think you you pitched? <laughs> pre seed, we got you know. Well, I don't want to say we got lucky, but or we earned it, or you know, somewhere a mixture in between of those things. But we actually pitch maybe 20 times yeah. not, but not it's a really great uh, idea so when you have a really great idea you may not have to pitch so many times that's awesome chelsea <laughs> yeah thank you thank you <laughs> but yeah it's totally i'm knee deep in it because we're raising our you know we're working on our seed round and it's yeah. um you did pre-seed and you did and then so how much did you raise in pre-seed did you say pre-seed 1.2 yeah 1.2 and then now you have a goal for for your actual seed round right what's your goal between three and five million. Okay. And 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 you have to have it all aligned of what you're gonna do with that money and how you're gonna spend it. How how do you plan on spending it? Well, okay, that's a really good question. So the goal with our seed round is to get uh to a hundred thousand maps okay. and a couple million views every month. So we'll spend um in ways that we think will help us reach that. So basically uh, on different marketing channels is a big one. And then on a couple of key hires that will help us build out product-led growth features as well. And what about the marketing plan? I'll just tell you what's working well for us right now. And, you know, we probably do more of that and then, you know, have some additional initiatives as well. So industry newsletters are working really well for us and announcing new features. Um uh, paid in organic search and paid in organic social. And who is it that you need to connect with most right now? Like who is your next big, like what is it that you need in your journey that you're going through right now? Hmm, these are good questions. Um, <laughs> well, from the funding perspective, you know, we need someone who believes in transforming the way that people move through the world and the way that people discover where to go and what to do. Mm -hmm. And in the, you know, customer sense, uh, we are, you know, we, we work with anyone who needs to visualize data on a map basically, but in particular media companies, um, hotels, chamber of commerce, local destination marketing organizations, people that want to get other people out in their communities. Mm. Okay. I want to know in this journey that you've had, because I think that people who are either going to embark in something like this or are thinking about it, Everyone has words of advice. Everyone knows something about something, right? I want to know what advice did you get that was just not so great and why? And then what advice did you get that was like amazing and you have to tell everyone about it? Hmm. <laughs> not so good. Oh, man, that's really tough. Um, let's see. What advice did we get? Let's concentrate on the good one first. First, um, I think the amazing piece of advice that we got just, and again, we're raising our seed round right now. So I think yeah. that's just top of mind is just to keep going and have that grit behind you and your, you know, conviction behind your idea. Right. And that, you know, you got to keep experimenting and pushing forward every day. And, and I think, you know, just that reminder I'm already, my co-founders and I are already fairly gritty, but I think just that reminder is always really good. Like, you know, if you have good conviction and you operate really well and um, mm -hmm. yeah, it'll, it'll pan out. And then I think the not so great advice is um, really struggling. I feel like we've, um, you know, something that we hear a lot, especially from investors is they can't see the future like we can for our company, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So not not doubt, but kind of doubt. Like, hey, I just can't understand where you're going with this. Mm -hmm. And my co-founders and I can see that so clearly. Like this industry of recommendations and content, local content is ripe for disruption. And we have a really unique take on it. And... Yeah, I think, you know, when we hear someone that says, you know, they just don't understand, like, that's okay. And it stings a little bit to hear. And sometimes it causes a little bit of doubt or angst or something, but um, just keeping your chin up. Right. No, that's great. 
Yeah, if people can't understand the vision and what you what you can see, it doesn't necessarily mean that they can't get there, but it might take a lot more work to get them to, to be able to see clearly, right? <laughs> oh my You're goodness. You're so right. <laughs> well, I see the vision. I think this is amazing. I can absolutely see how the application works. And I just love the story that it came because of a need and the tools and the expertise that someone had in being able to put this together. I think that this is awesome, you know, American dream kind of story, right? (laughs) And it's women and women led. So I think that's another amazing thing that's about to disrupt the market too, even more. We want more women in tech. We want more women to support other women in this space and place and Absolutely, I can see the application to how this all could come together and just see so many potential opportunities that could come from from this and and what you've got going on. So, okay, um, why don't we wrap it up and just uh, share with people how they can reach out to you, where they need to go to create their own map. And of course, if they're interested in learning more about, um, you know, your funding needs and and all the things that you've got going on. Maybe they need to see your pitch deck, right, Chelsea? (laughs) Yes, you've got to see it. We worked really hard on it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so you can find us at proxy.co, P-R-O-X-I.co, not com. Um, (laughs) And then, yeah, we're on social channels at all variations of proxy, P-R-O-X-I. And we'd be happy to connect with you there. Anyone can map for free. You can map for individual use cases or business ones. And it's a lot of fun. So I'd love to see you out there. Well, and I imagine for businesses too, you can brainstorm with them on how they could apply it in their site and how they could, you know, have some ideas. I mean, obviously you guys are great with good ideas. So, you know, working with businesses to come up with how they could incorporate it could be another amazing, you know, aspect of this journey that people could go through, right? That's right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Chelsea, and telling me all about what you're working on. And I can't wait to see this in the future. And I can't wait to applaud you when you get your round of money that you are looking for. And I'm sure it'll happen. And uh, hopefully people who are listening to this uh, can also support you in some way or another and go follow you on all the socials and share this podcast with those that you know that are either qualified investors or venture capitals, true venture VCs, right? We want the ones that are in alignment with what you're doing and that believe in your story and can see the vision of where you can take this, right? (laughs) That's right. Thank you so much for having me on, Ray. That was a ton of fun. Absolutely. And for those of you listening, the best thing that you can do, like I said, is share this with others. And of course, always give us a review. And uh, that's good gold for all of us in this world. So thank you so much. And until next time, everybody, enjoy the marketing journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition podcast. Want to continue the journey? Don't miss out on new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.